Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook, and from the TalkSport Edge, it's football reporter and Manchester United podcaster, Angelina Kelly. This week, Liverpool welcome Leeds, Leicester welcome Man City, and Potter goes back to Brighton. Plus, Harry Kane was offside, and I'll tell you why, and why it might get worse for Spurs when they head to the beach. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. The six times European champions only need a draw tonight to reach this year's Champions League knockouts. And with the pedigree they have in this competition, they may well be contenders again. It's on a great oh. ball for Elliot in the penalty area. Angle is tight, but oh. Elliot finds the finish <laughs> superbly. And there's no doubt now, Liverpool will be in the round of 16 in the Champions League. And when it comes to this competition, you can never write them off. Napoli, three. Rangers, no, Rangers concede from a corner again. It came from the left and a terrific header by Leo Ostergaard from the penalty spot. You gotta fight for your right to And Bayern make it 3-0 right at the death and it's Benjamin Pavard who makes Barcelona's misery on the night complete. Stealing it at the far post. Harry Kane has surely just won this game for Tottenham. So often their hero, and he has done it again. It's been ruled out. Spurs are incensed. They cannot believe it. Wow, that's as tight as a decision for offside as I've ever seen. Hello, very good morning to you. Uh, we, we were recording this uh, very early in the day. In fact, so early in the day that Alex Crook looks... I mean, if you have a pair of old boots that look incredibly rough, that is exactly what he looks like. Because last night, he was on the celebrity red carpet, taking pictures, being packed. Because this is, this is the level that he now operates at. Um, where were you on the red carpet and whose film premiere were you attending? I was at the Swan Theatre in High Wycombe, which probably gives you a bit of a clue. Um, it's an Amazon documentary, Beast Mode On, starring our own Adebayo Akin Fenwa, uh, the great and the good of, of Wicked Wanderers. And uh, George Groves was there, actually, as well. He stars in the film and uh, various other football personalities. It was a good watch, inspiring story. I recommend it. But it did, uh, the after party did drag on a little bit. Why were you there? Were you, were you in the film? I do make a cameo, actually, yeah, but I was there to to support Bio, really. Angelina, good morning. Hello, how are you? 
I am all good, all good. I was also in a club, not last night, um, but last week when I was on holiday and I can relate to the going somewhere, there have only been seven people, but you've just got to make it work. So okay, fair it. enough. Okay. <laughs> okay, enough hangover chat, although I think there'll be a hangover at Spurs this morning. Uh, the VAR decision um, took very, very long time, didn't it? Four or so minutes to decide uh, that Harry Kane was offside. Firstly, Harry Kane from the still image released is ahead of the ball, so I'm I'm guessing that that's where they've um, judged it from because they've released that picture. The idea that the ball went backwards is irrelevant, despite what Eric Dyer was saying to the referee. The direction of the ball being played is irrelevant for offside. So that should be negated. Don't allow that to influence your thinking. The deflection is also not a deliberate play, so that doesn't reset Kane's offside position. So when the ball is played back across the face of goal, even if it's backwards, Kane is in an offside position. So the goal was right to be disallowed. Don't shoot the messenger. It's just offside. Angelina, what did you think of it? It was it was so perfect in Kane scoring the goal and everything. It's like all the pieces of the jigsaw were slotting together and then it all just got dashed on the floor, basically. But it was just the amount of time that it was taking. As, as a neutral watching the game, it, it was great. I can't imagine how Spurs fans were probably feeling and how they're feeling today. Yeah, more worrying, I think, is the issue that Spurs are facing in the group. They've allowed themselves to get into this position where it isn't a foregone conclusion that they're going to go through. Marcus Edwards shining again for the second time against his former team. He did really well in the first game that I did between the two sides. And he's done very well last night. He scored at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. He scored the goal for uh, Sporting. Um, but the fact that they're in this group with Sporting and Marseille and Eintracht Frankfurt and not guaranteed a place of going through. And it could, it's really tight. You know, they've got to go to Marseille. They've got to get something in Marseille. And if they don't get something in Marseille, they'll be out crook. I mean, does that give us a reflection of where Spurs are really? I think the result just sort of adds to the, the sense of doom um, that Tottenham fans are feeling. The fact they haven't managed to navigate their way yet through a group that they really should be winning. Let's be honest, it's not the most difficult group in the world, but they just don't score enough goals. And uh, that has been a problem, not just in the Premier League, but in the Champions League as well. And they need to find some form because their season is in danger of, uh, of falling away. Yes, indeed it is. Liverpool put their domestic woes behind them to swatting aside Ajax. Chelsea played very well in the first half against Salzburg. In the second half, they sort of allowed Salzburg back into the game. Uh, didn't put away enough of their chances, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, City back-to-back nil-nils in the Champions League. Are they over-reliant on Haaland already, Angelina? Oh, this is a bit of a silly question to ask you, but we'll do it anyway. I was going to say, yes, of course they are. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, one of the most impressive things about City last season was, you know, the options they had. I mean, I think it was, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, all in double figures. You had Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, Rodri, all getting a good amount of goals. And I know that Guardiola's already spoken earlier on in the season about how, you know, they can't win the Champions League by relying on Haaland. Um, and, you know, he's right. But, you know, you need to kind of back that up by, you know, getting some better performances in, um, you know, why it's happening, I'm not too sure. Maybe players are kind of resting on the laurels because, you know, it's a dead cert that, that Haaland will kind of, you know, step up and do what they should be doing, maybe. I mean, maybe I'm just being biased. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it's definitely one for concern. And But at the end of the day, if you've got a player that's scoring the goals that he's scoring naturally you probably are going to rely on him, I guess. Um, but one thing, if they are relying on him, 
you know, in the long run, he's not the type of player that's going to to disappoint. But I think definitely, you know, some of the other players need to be looking at themselves and and kind of, you know, getting some of that energy from last season and bringing it forward. Away from the Premier League sides, Barcelona and Juventus have been dumped out. Five of the 12 teams originally signed up to the Super League. <laughs> Barcelona, Juventus, Atletico, Manchester United and Arsenal. Not in the Champions League knockout round. Stop laughing. AC Milan and Spurs could well drop out too. Um, right, OK, let's set our attention to the Premier League. We've got loads of games this weekend, including a bumper Saturday for you on TalkSport. Saturdays were made for game day and all the big games are here on TalkSport. He steps up, right footed, round the wall and into the corner with a brilliant, brilliant goal. And once again, James Madison delivers for the Foxes. Back into Haaland. Oh, what a finish. Inevitable from Erling Haaland. Tries to drive it across. Wilson, 2-0. Newcastle have doubled their lead. Callum Wilson at the double. Here is Young edge of the oh. area. Right-footed show. What a finish. Brilliant strike from Ashley Young from the edge of the area. Diaz trying to trick his way through every challenge. He does that, gets to the edge of the area, on the edge of the D. Right for it. Oh, what a goal! What a finish! Sinister inside the penalty area. It's click! It's three! Liverpool versus Leeds live on TalkSport, 7.45pm on Saturday night. Uh, Now, I know that Crook is uh, a man of the people and he'll be very disappointed about the fact that uh, there's a 7.45 kickoff and no trains to get back anywhere. He'll be moaning about the fact that there's no cheap hotels for people to stay in and half the pubs will be closed by the time that people get out of Anfield. Um, Now, this is all down to Jurgen Klopp's moaning, isn't it? The reason that this game has been uh, moved around. Well, it is outrageous for the fans. Uh, it's great for talk sport because we've picked up a bit of Saturday night football. It's great for the, the, the casual viewer at home. But once again, uh, no thought really for supporters. I know there's been a bit of controversy this week about the, the festive fixture list as well and how slow the TV broadcasters have been in announcing their plans for that. Arsenal have to play, I think, at 8 o'clock on Boxing Day, 530 uh, on New Year's Eve down at Brighton, which again will be difficult for them. So I do think it's something that... It needs needs addressing. Um, I think fans uh, need to be put more at the forefront when these fixtures are announced. They're certainly not at the moment. It's a big game, isn't it, for both? I've been in both camps, actually, this week. I spoke to Joe Gomez uh, for White and Jordan earlier this week. He was saying that the players at Liverpool need to take more responsibility for the fact they're not really performing on the pitch. And then I spoke to Jack Harrison as well. You'll be able to hear that interview on White and Jordan on Friday. And he was surprisingly upbeat, actually, and and painted quite a positive picture um, about life at Ellen Road, despite the fact that they haven't won for about 300 matches. Yeah, well, I thought, first of all, Liverpool will be pretty happy that they put their domestic problems beside them, played very well in the game in Amsterdam, dominated that match, won that game well. Harvey Elliott scoring a really good goal, really good finish right towards the end of that game. Darwin Nunez, I mean, I mean... Listen, as a Manchester United fan, Angelina, I'm sure you were laughing your head off when he missed from about four yards out and it came off the post. But then maybe not so much when he was unmarked from a corner and and, and scored a brilliant header. Uh, I mean, he's a bit of an enigma. He'll get there. I think he's obviously got talent, but he's a, he, you know everyone's comparing him to Erling Haaland, aren't they? So there's obviously a clear difference between 
the two. But this is a game that Liverpool will be targeting to win because they've got the firepower, uh, the lights will be on at Anfield. That's a condition that means that they have to win. And um, also the uh, Leeds, Leeds are not in great form. They're eight without a, defi- uh, without a victory. The thing with Darwin Nunes, like you say, it's very unlucky, the the timing of him arriving, like you say, with Erling Haaland. The way things started wasn't great. He seemed to be, be a bit all over the place. But, you know, credit where credit's due. I didn't expect it to be, you know, just like an easy arrival for him anyway. Um, and I trust, as much as it pains me to say, you know, I trust Liverpool's recruitment. They've signed some pretty good players over the last few years. So I think he will come good 100%. He just needs a bit of time, which... Is totally understandable. Just because Erling Haaland doesn't need that much time doesn't mean that everybody else, you know, should be judged on that level. But yeah, I, I mean, the the thing with Leeds, it's it's one of those. I mean, like like you've said, you know, previously talking on the podcast and things, you know, he he can't surely be judged too much on this game. That's what I would assume. But, you know, Nottingham Forest did manage to get something. Brighton and Arsenal, you know, did manage to get something from Liverpool. But Liverpool at home, it's a totally different story. So they've definitely got to take this one with a huge pinch of salt. I think it's just really bad timing for Leeds to be facing Liverpool, especially, you know, after the win against Ajax. So I think it's going to be quite a difficult one for them. And and, you know, I don't think the pressure should be on them just because of Nottingham Forest, because like I say, Anfield is just a different game. No, but the problem Leeds have got is that they've played uh, Brighton, Everton, Brentford, Villa, Palace, Leicester, Fulham over recent games. And they've picked up two points from those. Yes, they're supposed to lose to Arsenal. So that's OK. But their next game is Liverpool. They're there at home to Bournemouth, which is another one they should win. If they didn't take anything from the Bournemouth game and and and, and then the Tottenham game away from home before the World Cup, they're going to be firmly ensconced in that relegation trio before we go away to Qatar. And that psychologically is going to have a lingering effect, isn't it? Definitely. And that was one of the questions I put to Jack Harrison. Actually, I said it's almost like this is two seasons into one. You've got the the pre-World Cup break and the post-World Cup break. And you're right, psychologically, if they don't pick up a win between now and then, they have a long time, don't they, to think about being in the relegation places. The message from the club is that the board is still very much behind Jesse Marsh. Obviously, that isn't being reflected in the stands. I do think Leeds fans are being a bit harsh. I've said it before, this is the man who kept them up last season. He's trying to implement his playing style. The squad's had an overhaul. I think he needs time. And listen, I'm not normally one for giving managers time, as you know. No, but you're not really one for giving anyone time, really, are you? Let's be completely honest about <laughs> it. Unless they're serving your purpose. Um, uh, poor old Jesse Marsh. They've they've sort of their best assets deserted them as well. They've managed just six goals in their last eight games, um, and they lost only one by, uh, by one goal against Fulham. But they were beaten by a better outfit. They like a high tempo, high risk high press, and that leaves them vulnerable to the counter-attack. And that might play into Liverpool's hands, really. Liverpool had great chances at Forest last week, but didn't take them. I, I doubt that that's going to happen for a second week in a row. That game's live on TalkSport, 7.45 on Saturday night. Um, at lunchtime, we'll be at Leicester versus Manchester City. 12.30 kickoff, live on TalkSport. Leicester, two wins from two. Luck leaves you and returns in weird ways, doesn't it? Uh, Brendan Rodgers may just believe that his luck is in if Haaland is really injured for the weekend, Angelina? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you see that Erling Haaland is not on the team sheet. You're going to be rubbing your hands together. But 
The thing is, there are still a lot of talented players in this Manchester City team, as much as we're all focusing on Haaland. And like I said, you know, the performances that we saw from some of those players in that City team last season, they've not just lost that, you know, in a few months. They've still got that in the locker. And, you know, yeah, you don't want to go into a game writing it off, but you've got to be realistic at the end of the day. And I am still anticipating a comfortable Manchester City win. He had a fever and a knock. Um, is that fever and not going to rule him out? If it is, what does that do to everybody who has him in their fantasy team? Do you take him out? Do you dare take him out? Or do you pass the captain's armband onto somebody else? Or do you just go, no, if he's there, even for one minute, I want him with the captain's armband in my team. Um, if Danny Ward had to produce a number of top saves against Wolves, how good is he going to have to be? against City because even without Haaland as Angelina's already outlined there's lots of players that can cause problems Well I think if Haaland does recover from his fever then Danny Ward and his Leicester defenders uh, might be having some chills sorry that's a really bad gag um, <laughs> I, I think actually if he's not there I think it makes a massive difference to this game um, because for the reasons we already mentioned back to back nil-nil draws in Europe I, I don't think they have a, a light for light replacement and actually I, I know he's not scored himself for four games but I'm wondering if maybe Gabriel Jesus could still have had a purpose for Manchester City. Obviously, he wanted regular playing time before the World Cup, but they do look light in that area, which sounds ridiculous. And Leicester are much improved in the last four or five matches. So I don't think this will necessarily be a formality for Manchester City, particularly if Haaland isn't available. You could have crafted a much better joke, couldn't you there? You know, it could have been something along the lines of, if Haaland does have a fever and he recovers from it, maybe Danny Ward might catch it this weekend. And that would make a change. Um, Wolves had nine oh. shots in the first 17 minutes <laughs> and lost 4-0 to Leicester, who have shipped 24 goals this season. They will most likely ship a few more this weekend, but City aren't infallible. And Leicester have got the sixth best attack in the league. I actually think this might be quite an entertaining game, Angelina. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that we've seen, you know, improvement from Leicester 100%. We've seen the defenders improve. They all put in a good shift um, against Wolves. Certain players going forward look good. Um, and yeah, I think definitely this could be an, an entertaining one because surely, you know, going into a game like this against a team like Manchester City, you know, thinking about the type of, you know, personality Brendan Rodgers is, you know, you, you just got to go into it and surely just just go for it because what have you, I mean, yeah, what have you got to lose? I mean, you've got points to lose, but you know, the way things have been going, I think that fans would be more grateful to just see Leicester going in, giving it their all. And yeah, you know, if they lose by quite a few goals, it's Manchester City, it happens. But I think if you're putting in a good performance, at least then that is something to continue this momentum of them turning this corner. If they can at least keep up, you know, a good performance, then that's got to be something. Yeah, it deserves credit for turning it around the way he has so far. And good luck to them on Saturday, because it's always a difficult task against Manchester City. But Harvey Barnes has come into great form. He's an excellent winger. He causes problems. I wonder if he'll cause problems uh, for Manchester City at lunchtime on Saturday, live on Talk Sport. After that, Brighton against Chelsea, three o'clock. He's got a degree in emotional intelligence, but how will Graham Potter be feeling going back to the Amex Stadium, Crook? I think he'll take it in his stride. Um, we know that he's not one really to show too much emotion, but uh it's fairly quick, isn't it? Having uh, departed to be coming back. I think he'll get a good reception um, from the Brighton fans. I think they're aware of the job that he did there and aware how big an opportunity it was to go to Chelsea. I watched that game 
on Tuesday night. I was really impressed with Chelsea. And I've been really impressed with how quickly uh, Graham Potter has got his ideas, his ethos across. They should have won by more, really. I'm still a bit concerned if I was a Chelsea fan about Pierre Emmerich or Bamiyang. He looks uh, every bit at the veteran stage of his career. I'm just not convinced that he can score goals on a regular basis. But some of their build up play in that game was absolutely terrific. And obviously, Brighton struggling. Uh, for points under Roberto De Zerbi. <clears throat> and I think that could get worse this weekend. Look, I agree with you. I think they play some great football. And then their first half, it was brilliant to watch. They absolutely smothered Salzburg. It was, it was. I mean, I made a joke at halftime about, you know, being the birthplace of Mozart, but uh, Gallagher was pulling the strings and Kovacic was hitting the high notes. The fact is, is that this is a, a team that seems to be com- almost completely in great harmony until you get into the penalty area. And both goals came from outside the penalty area, which is a, a bit of a, an issue, just sort of an indication as to uh, how they operate. You mentioned Aubameyang. Brozier came on late in the second half. He didn't really do that much either. What is the solution to scoring goals for Chelsea? I mean, Raheem Sterling, have they got they got to try and get more out of him, more goals out of, of Mount, who's, who's done particularly well in creating chances for the team? Angelina? Yeah, I think mentioning Sterling, that is um, quite a a worrying one. He seems to be just being shoved from pillar to post, like wherever they can, you know, try and slot him in. Um, You know, a a few of my friends that are Arsenal fans, you know, are still sitting there saying, oh, he should have come to Arsenal instead. Um, But yeah, his form, especially, you know, thinking about England is a, is quite a, a bit of a concern. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of, it's, it's sad to see because I'm a big Sterling fan, definitely. But yeah, Chelsea need to kind of figure out this situation. I, I get why they brought Aubameyang in, but you know, there's a reason that Barcelona were, were happy to let him go and why that maybe didn't work out. Um, but yeah, I think a, a couple of players maybe need to look at themselves and how they can, you know, um, improve improve for Chelsea and I think at the end of the day it, it is definitely a worry but on the grand scheme of things I think that Chelsea are still putting in some good performances they're still you know plodding along not plodding along nicely that's a bit, a bit, bit patronizing that yeah, they're doing yeah, a little bit you know more I mean? than that they're not plodding they're more than plodding and as a Man United fan I cannot sit there and say that they're plodding that is wrong of me but yeah I think that things are, are all moving in the right direction and this is just the, the last kind of thing that they need to get right and I think they'll get there um, And but it will be interesting to see what happens in January as well and if they do maybe need to bring in another name up front. There are a couple of Oldens in that Chelsea team. I've I've got the impression that Thiago Silva is very much in his slippers plodding around quite a lot. (laughs) Um, uh, Brighton still yet to win under De Zerbi and they haven't done particularly well in front of goal again, have they Brighton uh, so far? They haven't won any of their last five matches under their new boss. They have scored just one goal in their last four matches and they haven't beaten Chelsea since 1933. Wow. Uh, let's move on. Newcastle against Aston Villa is three o'clock. Talk Sport 2. First game for Villa for Unai Emery. Uh, apparently he's not going to be there. Yeah, I think there's an issue with uh, his work permit. So his first game officially as Aston Villa manager will be against Manchester United. I'm sure he's going to be watching this um, from afar, uh, maybe even in conversation uh, with the caretaker staff at Villa. It's not It's not a massive concern, is it, when you look how well they played last weekend, leaving their interim team in charge for one more match. I'm intrigued by this appointment. It's been heralded as as another show of ambition from the Aston Villa owners. And I know, Sam, that you think uh, that their ambitions have been a bit overplayed compared to what they've actually spent 
in the transfer market. Unai Emery clearly has done very well with Villarreal, but you have to remember his Arsenal career and the way it ended there. I think he's still got to prove himself in the Premier League. And obviously the style of play uh, was an issue for Arsenal fans. It wasn't particularly entertaining, which is something Aston Villa fans were bemoaning when Steven Gerrard was in charge. So I think this is an appointment that could still go either way. I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be a guaranteed success there. Uh, do we think that uh, Unai Emery is a little bit suspicious? Do we think that could possibly be the case? I mean, he didn't take the Newcastle job and we all wondered why that might be. Uh, maybe it's because there's no V in their name. I don't know. Because he's managed to Via. He's managed Via Real and now he's in charge of Aston Villa. I mean, there's something going on there, isn't there? And he managed David Villa, didn't he, as well, I think? Yeah, he did. He did. He's definitely got something. I bet he's got a big Villa as well somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, I, I Listen, Aston Villa had their fires lit at home against Brentford, but I don't think sacking Steven Gerrard is going to solve all their problems um, because there's uh, deeper-rooted issues. The players aren't good enough. And, you know, Crook keeps mentioning the fact that I said uh, on White and Jordan last week that I don't buy into this idea that the owners are ambitious. They're ambitious and they keep telling us that they are ambitious. In fact, Christian Perslow keeps telling everybody who talks to him, Crook, Jim, everyone, that they're ambitious. But both Simon, Jordan and I have said this week, but that ambition extends to what? What does that ambition extend to? Where is this money? The net spend is not huge. The amount of money that they've laid out on plus is not huge. So where where is that ambition? And when will we see it? Maybe we'll see it now that Unai Emery is signed on the dotted line in January and they might invest in a load of players. But I, I don't think you can sort of put them in the same category as other owners who have spent big. I mean, Chelsea's ambition is big. I mean, they spent 300 million quid. That that goes down as good, big ambition. I'm not saying that they should spend that much, but I don't think that they can categorise themselves by... I don't think they can claim to be ambitious by saying we are ambitious. You have actually have to do something. Um, Newcastle themselves have had a particularly good start to the season, should have more points than they've actually got. They'd be well in the top two if they'd been uh, given the victory they should have earned at Anfield earlier in the season. They beat Spurs last week. They've been a match for everyone. So the idea that they're going to struggle with Villa, who scored 11 goals all season, is probably, Angelina, a little bit fanciful, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried as a Newcastle fan going into this. I mean, I've, I've been really impressed seeing how well they've done so far this season. So yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned. Like you say, no disrespect to Aston Villa, but let's face it, they've not been great. Um, Newcastle have been brilliant. So yeah, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens um, as the season progresses and if they can continue this momentum and if they can, you know, cause some damage in this in this top four. Um, because yeah, I think some of the names that you would normally expect to be there, the fact that some of them couldn't and one of them may not because of Newcastle um, would be absolutely brilliant. I'd be as a as a neutral just football fan, I would absolutely love to see it. But yeah, I think Newcastle should put on a very good performance again against Aston Villa. Like I say, I'm not too worried, um, and I think there should be uh, you know a good few goals on the cards. Hopefully, Angelina, is this because you know that um, your team probably aren't going to finish in the top four? So if Newcastle get there, you'll be like, okay, it's fine. Uh, yeah. But if it was your team that finished in fifth and Newcastle that finished in fourth, you, would you be uh, be spitting a point in the finger? It's out of order. They've got too much money. 100% I will be kicking off in that fashion. Yes, if Manchester United somehow managed to get in the top four um, and Newcastle are there, then that's great. But yeah, if they are the reason we're not there, I will be 
causing dramas left, right and centre. But yeah, you know, there's only four spaces. Something's got to give. And this, you know, this league changes so much. But at the moment, you've got to consider Newcastle because they are putting in the performances. So... I got I got a feeling that uh, Newcastle might be a little bit Leicester City and that they'll hang around the top four for a very long time and then drop yeah. out right at the very end and one of the big boys will take their place. But getting into the top six itself would be a magnificent achievement for Eddie Howe and his crew have got the best of Miggy Almiron. They've performed brilliant miracles with that back line as well. They don't concede too many goals. They score a decent amount and they've had to negotiate quite a lot of injury problems as well over the course of the early part of the season. They don't have Alexander Isaac and won't do till after the World Cup. Former Tottenham Saturday, 3 p.m. Tottenham's goal scoring form really poor. Um, They haven't scored more than one goal in any of their last six away matches. And the teams they've beaten on the road have been Brighton and Forest. I don't know. Have, have Bournemouth got a chance of, of winning this? Spurs don't like heading to the beach. They don't even like going to Bournemouth. They've they've fired blanks in three of their last four visits to Bournemouth. How can you not like going to Bournemouth, by the way? Um, I'll be there uh, looking forward to it. I think the issue that you've got, if you're looking at for an upset, it would be an upset if, if Tottenham were to get beat, even with their current struggles in front of goal, is that Bournemouth aren't playing particularly well. They were obviously beaten... Uh, at West Ham on Monday live on TalkSport. Two really controversial decisions for me. I think the West Ham goal, it's a volleyball move. He scooped it towards goal. I can see why Gary O'Neill got a yellow card and was so infuriated for his protests. The penalty, you've got Jordan Zamora is sliding to try and make a block. What's he supposed to do? Chop his arms off? And they're building up quite a dossier here, Bournemouth, uh, of dubious VAR decisions that have gone against them. And I think there is a sense that because they are the smallest team uh, in the Premier League, uh, referees are finding it easy uh, to go against them. Is that the sad music that you're playing in the background? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But having said all that, they weren't great against West Ham. Uh, They weren't great against Southampton in their last home game game when they lost. And I fear for Gary O'Neill that maybe form has deserted them uh, at just the wrong time. The new owner has been um, been in situ. He's been at a game. That takeover will go through imminently. And I think he'll be watching these performances and thinking maybe, maybe we need a more glamorous, a more experienced manager. So I, I think unless Gary O'Neill can pick up a couple of victories between now and the World Cup, his chance of keeping that job for any longer than this interim spell are reducing. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I don't feel sorry for them, bearing in mind they're just about to be uh, uh, overtaken by a multi-billionaire. Um, but it is worth pointing out, Angelina, uh, that on Monday night, I, I I wasn't working. I was having a family dinner. Um, it was uh, my son's birthday. My, my extended family were all in my living room. We were all having a nice meal. My phone goes off. Ignored it. My phone goes off again. It's crook. Not only did I get a conventional phone call, but I got a WhatsApp phone call as well. Um, and he said to me, now, don't accuse me of being a press officer, but uh, are you watching this decision? Because uh, I, think, I think they've got another case here. Sorry, I'm just tucking into a nice Thai meal. What do you mean? Can you explain to me the penalty, uh, the rules on handball uh, in the penalty area? Uh, because uh, I don't understand why this, uh, this penalty has been given. So I, I haven't even seen it. Calm down. I said, are you working? He went, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just infuriated by it. It's nice to see that he's got passion, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. And the fact that you had two calls, like that is that is serious. I rate how much you needed to talk to him about it and, and get his thoughts. Like you were not giving up, were you? Next to it was going to be like a pigeon was thrown at the I'm door. <laughs> the other thing was, is that there is this thing called this, this book, it's called the, the Rules of the Game, The Laws of the Game, and you can just read it and you can work out what is happening. Yeah, but that's what I've got you for. <laughs> instead of just ringing me up and asking me what is the law on on handball in the penalty area uh, but listen it was nice to talk to you and it, you were sober on Monday night which is which is a rare treat right let's get to the rest of Saturday Brentford against Wolves is Saturday afternoon at three o'clock Brentford utterly useless away from home their home form has been crucial and if they can withstand an early barrage uh, from uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, which is when they do their best work, then Brentford probably should be fine. Wolves haven't scored after the 56th minute in their last 15 Premier League games. So, does that sort of suggest that they're maybe a little bit unfit, Angelina? Or is it that because they don't score, they get very disheartened very quickly? Um, I, th- I think it could be both. I mean, the fact that it's that that time in a game would kind of insinuate that maybe it is, maybe it's a a fitness thing or concentration thing. I think it could be an amalgamation of different things because thinking about, you know, playing in that Wolves team, it cannot be good vibes at the minute, can it? Um, You probably, yeah, you're feeling frustrated. You know, there's worry about the whole management situation. You're not scoring goals. Nothing seems to be working. You don't seem to be getting ahead at all and you're just slipping further down the table. and it must be so disheartening. There's nothing really to kind of give them that boost. So yeah, I guess certain players, maybe, you know, they get into that point in the game, they're getting frustrated. It's getting the best of them. Maybe yeah, some players are unfit as well. I mean, you look at some of their options when it comes to scoring goals as well. Let's face it. You know, there's one OAP there that, you know, just doesn't have the legs anymore. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. So yeah, it's probably an amalgamation of things, but yeah, very must be so frustrating for, for the Wolves fans. Um, and I just don't see how it's going to get better. If results do continue, as Angelina suggests, badly as they have done in this fashion, will they stick with Steve Davis as they've planned till 2023? Does that seem like a sensible and prudent decision? Um, I think if results continue to go against Wolves, then they're going to have another big decision to make because I mentioned on the pod on Sunday, their current state of flux does bear a striking similarity to when they were relegated from the Premier League before uh, they fired Mick McCarthy after a defeat to West Bromwich Albion in a derby, thought they were going to get Steve Bruce, didn't happen, ended up keeping Terry Connor in charge, and they went down. Um, so <laughs> I think it's a dangerous situation. They've been linked with a, another Portuguese coach in the last 24 hours, Vitor Pereira, who came close to joining Everton, didn't he, before yeah. Rafa Benitez. His contract to Corinthians is up in December, so we can maybe um, dot the I's and cross the T's and, and make a connection there. I think this is a huge game for Wolves. And if they were to get beaten and well beaten as they were against Leicester, then I think the owners might have to have a rethink about their coaching. Pereira was the guy that uh, the Everton fans didn't want at Goodison Park. They wanted Frank. They got Frank. He got Frank Lampard the job at Goodison Park by by being Vita Pereira. I don't know how that happened or what it was that he, he did to upset everybody on Merseyside, but just by not being 
Vitor Pereira, Frank Lampard emerged as a unity candidate to take over at Goodison Park. And uh, as a result, it's actually done a very good job. Um, so Wolves, uh, you think, maybe may have to make a decision on their managerial situation. Uh, Brentford could do with a big win. Let's say talk. Uh, let's move on to Crystal Palace against Southampton, three o'clock on Saturday. More lives than a cat, Ralph Harsenhutl takes on Patrick Vieira. And Crystal Palace, who are better at home than away. Zaha comes alive every other match, usually at Selhurst Park. And that, Angelina, could be a problem for the Toothless Saints. Yes, definitely. Um, it's it's going to be an, an interesting game because, like you say, um, you've got a manager who still like claws his way back every single time. Um, you've got Crystal Palace who've been a bit, bit of a mad mix. Um, but I think obviously them being at home is going to be a massive, massive plus for them. They need to use that to their advantage. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a Palace win. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Southampton at least attempt to cause a little bit of an upset. But I think looking at both sides, I would, yeah, I would probably go towards Palace. Um, and like I say, that home form, um, they've not been afraid to come from a, from a goal down. So even if Southampton do manage to get a good start, for example, I still think that Palace will be able to uh, get the job done. You might know from listening to this podcast that uh, Crook likes to go early every now and again with a big, bold claim. Usually if Southampton get the lead in a match, he'll send you a text message saying, come on, Saints, or go on, King Ralph, or something like that. Uh, but don't write off Crystal Palace if they concede the first goal in this match because they've picked up nine points from losing positions so far this season. So it could be another um, problem for the uh, the guy who's not allowed to walk dogs anywhere in Hampshire, Ralph Harsenhutl. <laughs> you, you've nicked that gag and you used you used it last we're, week. We're flogging it to death. We're flogging it to death. That, that it yeah, should be copyrighted. Should be. Do you know what I'm looking forward to in this game? Sure. I'm looking forward to Lianco against Wolf Zaha because Lianco is an absolute nutter. Let's be honest, and uh, he certainly uh, tr- trod a very fine line uh, between getting himself sent off and not in that Arsenal game last weekend. And Zaha has a bit of history in this fixture. James Ward-Prowse is very good at winding up Wilf Zaha. And Everyone's good at winding on. up Wilf Zaha. He gets wound up by anything. He'd get wound up by a pet hamster. He's a nightmare. He's so miserable. Well, my, my prediction is that either Lianco or Wilfred Zaha are either going to get sent off or be very close to being sent off in this game. Keep an eye. Okay, all right. That's a, that's a bold prediction. I, I like it. Fulham against Everton is 5.30 on Saturday. Everton have won just one of their last four matches, and that was at home. How will they get on against seventh place Fulham, Angelina? This is going to be a big test for Everton. I like compared to, you know, the fiasco that was last season. You know, I do like the way that they're playing under Frank Lampard. I think he is the right guy for the job. Um, And I think we've definitely, you know, compared to last season, we've definitely seen some good improvements. But, you know, just because Fulham are a promoted side does not mean that you should automatically just think, oh, well, you know, they're not good. You know, they've been absolutely brilliant and they deserve to be where they are in the league. And I think this would be a great statement from them, you know, to get this win over Everton. I mean, technically on on paper, looking at form, this should be a game that Fulham should win. They should be going into it with confidence. Um I wouldn't totally write off Lampard and Everton, but, you know, they are away from home. So, yeah, I think on the whole, I am backing Fulham and 
I don't think I would be crazy to back them because they, you know, the form that we've seen and like I say, where they are in the league, this technically should be, you know, go get, you know, at home, get the job done. No dramas. Yep. And the return of Dominic Calvert-Lewin couldn't have come at a better time though for Everton. The quality of their goals at Palace last week cannot be underestimated, nor can their level of commitment to the cause. Coleman no longer looks like he's running in treacle. The two centre-halves have produced more blocks uh, than Andy Jacobs on Twitter. The left-back Mikolenko is useful uh, both ways. I think they've done a really good job with the Everton team, but I think Angelina's right to point out that there is a stark difference between their results at home and their results away from home crew. Yeah, and that's been a problem for a while. I think even going back to when Ronald Koeman uh, was manager, his brief stint in charge, they went a whole season, I think I'm right in saying, without winning away from home. So I think it's an issue that Frank Lampard has to resolve. I think this is a a really tight game to call, actually. I've been impressed um, with Fulham, particularly in midfield. I mean, we mentioned Paulinho. I think uh, Pereira surprised me. He was somebody at Manchester United that I thought was probably a bit lightweight for the Premier League, but he's been really impressive. And Harrison Reid. Um, as well, I saw a tweet, I think, from Fulham's official account calling him the ginger Iniesta Harrison Reid. Obviously, he, he scored a, a terrific goal in that thumping of Aston Villa. And he looks like he's at home in the Premier League. So I think Marco Silva, who has been maligned a little bit because his teams tend to start the seasons well and then fall By off. By you. I think he's restored his reputation a little bit so far. By you. <laughs> Do you want to apologise to him? Uh, not yet. Let's see where they finish, but they're, they're plodding along nicely. To quote Angelina, you you did uh, you did you did slag him off quite badly, didn't you? I, w- I wasn't impressed with him as Everton manager or um, Watford manager or Hull manager. Yeah, so probably yeah, I, I was critical. But as I say, I think he's he's done well. He's done well at Fulham. Uh, I mean, he didn't take much to get them out of the Championship last season, but to have them seventh in the Premier League, 12 games into this campaign, I think is impressive. Jao Pellini has been brilliant for them. Actually, Andreas Pereira has been very good as well. Some of the uh, assists he's come up with and the goals that he scored, very, very good. Um, I, I honestly just think this would be a brilliant, brilliant match if, if Everton played the way they did at some points in that uh, second half last weekend and Fulham uh, continue their goal-scoring threat at one end and their ability to give a goal away at the other. I think it would just be an entertaining match. I'm looking forward to it, three o'clock on Saturday afternoon right do we need to talk about cristiano a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go.
Labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ronaldo a little bit frustrated though, Adrian. He's walked down the tunnel after not being called upon by Eric Ten Hag tonight. He's not going to dirty his rather expensive boots this evening. In January, can't come quick enough for Ten Hag. That, the petulant showing it publicly, that's... That's a, that's not on. He's a sport brat, let's be honest. You have to fulfil certain standards, and I have to control it. Eric, did he refuse to come onto the pitch on Wednesday night? Yes. I would have ironed it out with Ronaldo on day one. I personally would use him very differently. I still think he's got something to offer, and I would be using him quite differently. But, Graham, but in five years' time, no one will remember Ten Hag. But what are Ronaldo basic- remembered as arguably the greatest player that's ever kicked a football. I would absolutely, in, in terms of being serious, I would consider ripping up his contract if it was continuing along the same vein. It's done, he's back. Uh, focus on the game and that's important and Cristiano is uh, involved in the squad tomorrow Cristiano Ronaldo uh, back in the fold this week for Manchester United Uh, Ten Hag I saw a post actually on Instagram from you Angelina this week in which you had uh, retweeted somebody else suggesting that Eric Ten Hag had handled the situation very well I mean he got a little bit tetchy about him um, when he was sort of asked whether or not there was encouragement from elsewhere to get Cristiano back into the squad. What do you think of the way that the club as a whole have handled the situation? And should they not have just cut ties with him, taken the hit financially and gone, all right, get out? 100% they should have done that. But the issue is that Manchester United are not owned, in my opinion, by the right people that make the right decisions for the best of the club is more for financial gain. So yeah, getting rid of a player like Cristiano Ronaldo, not having him, you know, playing week in, week out, you know, being, you know, the talk of, you know, of the footballing world, you know, selling shirts, all this different stuff. The the owners are not going to be happy whatsoever. You know, there's a reason why they got Sir Alex Ferguson on the phone to him when he was pretty much heading off to the Etihad. So yeah, I mean, if, in, in my opinion, I think a player like Cristiano Ronaldo that, you know, for some managers, you know, it's it's an intimidating name, an intimidating presence. He's one of the world's greatest footballers and dealing with owners like the Glazers that we know are problematic. A lot of managers and we've seen managers do it over the years at Man United. They kind of just, you know, do as they're told, keep the head down. I have a lot of respect for the fact that Ten Hag has, you know, looked at Ronaldo and said, yeah, I, I get that you're one of the world's greatest players, but at the moment you're not doing A, B, C and D and there are consequences for that. I also think it would be, to be completely honest, we know Ronaldo doesn't want to be there. We know that if a side that has a very good chance of winning the Champions League come knocking on his door or at least progressing to a, you know, a good stretch of the Champions League so he can, you know, get a few goals in that competition... If they come knocking at the door, of course he's gone. We know he doesn't have that much loyalty to Manchester United. Fans still love him, but he doesn't have that loyalty. And at the end of the day, why would Eric Ten Hag be playing him? Yes, he's a good player. And yes, when he scores goals, he's good. But why would you be building a team around a player that doesn't even want to be there? Why not focus on other players, you know, getting Rashford back to his best, you know, giving Martial chances, etc.? than playing a player that, yeah, short term might might do all right. But even then, you know, he's not at 100%. Why focus on that? Why not focus on the future? Because we know that Ronaldo is not going to be part of the future. 
Um, Crook never won to uh, admit a reversal, but um, during the summer, you were big on the fact that Ronaldo was the best player in the squad and that Martial should be shipped out. Are you now uh, in pain that you're arguing for the fact that Ronaldo should be jettisoned and we should get Martial back in the team as soon as possible? Well, the trouble for Martial and, and for Manchester United is that every time he gets an opportunity in the team, he breaks down. Um, so that inability to stay fit is a concern. And I think it's a concern for Manchester United in terms of where the goals are coming from because they dominated the first half an hour against Chelsea, didn't take their opportunities. Graham Potter makes a tactical change and all of a sudden they find themselves 1-0 down and having to score a last-minute equaliser to get a point. I think if you're looking for positives um, from Manchester United, I don't want to really stray too much into Ronaldo territory. I think Angelina has summed it up brilliantly. Basically, he's there to sell shirts, not to actually produce performances on the football pitch. Uh, This game against West Ham will be another game against the team in the top half. And actually United will have played everybody apart from Fulham in the top 12 um, in their first 12 matches. Um, so they've still oh, got... Matt is very difficult after a few uh, sherbets, <laughs> isn't it? Hey? Even, <laughs> even such basic maths as looking at a league table and adding one to the current uh, number of I, games. I think, I think United are going to go on a good run of form here just because they've come through their difficult fixtures They've picked up some notable wins against some of the sides you wouldn't expect them to beat. And I think they're going to put some of these lesser sides to the sword now. And I think that that can help them in terms of the top four. But, you, but actually, you, isn't there isn't there issue the fact that they play very well against teams like Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, even Chelsea? But actually, one of the, the sort of problems they have had is that when they've played teams that aren't as good as those, they've been they've struggled to break them down because there's a little bit about them still, which is that we are better on the counter-attack than we are taking the game to a team. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And again, that comes back to who puts the ball in the back of the net. But what I see here is a team that are evolving under Eric Ten Hag. I agree with that. Problem solvers under Ten Hag. And you wrote them off in terms of top four contenders earlier in this podcast. I let it go. I had a wry smile. I think they've got a great chance finishing the top four. I really do. Okay. West Ham have won one of their six away games in the league. They've scored just three times on the road uh, so far this season. They haven't been particularly good. They've started the season badly, in fact. And they haven't won at Old Trafford since 2007. 14 matches. Um, it's not strictly true. That's in the league, isn't it? Because didn't Dimitri Payet score a winning goal in a cup tie there? I remember commentating on a free kick, I think, that he scored. Um, so 2007 was the last time they won in the league. So it's been a long time since they've taken anything uh, from that. And I do think, actually, that the Europa League is probably more likely to have a bit of a hangover for West Ham than it is for United, bearing in mind the opponents and the level of game uh, that they've got and the size of the squad that Manchester United currently have. Uh, West Ham slightly fortunate to get two decisions against Bournemouth on Monday, but overall the better team. Maybe they're starting to turn a corner. Not the right time um, to face Manchester United, I wouldn't have thought. Talk to me about Anthony and how you think he... One of many signings that has come in and actually done okay. Casemiro, I think, has done quite well. Now he's been integrated into the team. But Anthony is a creator. He's a he's a tub thumper. He knows how to get the crowd started. He's a bit of a... He's got a swagger about him. He's a bit of a superstar in the making. But does he have a right foot, Angelina? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think you, you're bang on with all of that. I think he was a really positive signing 
for Man United to get, you know, out of all those Ajax players, past, present and future that Man United were linked with, it seemed to be. Um, he was one that I was definitely really happy to get. And I think, yeah, he he understands the assignment at Man United, like you say, with the, the crowd, the swagger, the attitude, all of that type of stuff. And I'm really excited to see how he progresses this season. But yeah, the the, the one-footed issue is... It is frustrating, I'll be honest, um, and that is something. It must be really that, difficult course, to get a pair of boots if you only need one of them, isn't it? I know. Maybe you get to discount if you only need one. I don't know, but um, but yeah, that, he and that Bernardo is a, Silva have got the same problem. They just only use their left foot. <laughs> ever. Yeah, it's um, no. I, I totally agree. It's definitely a frustrating one, um, but I think. On the whole, I would like to think that the other foot will arrive at some point or at training, you know, maybe it's just, you know, with the Royal Mail strikes, it's taken a while to get there. I don't know. But I think it, it, it will come in time. And I think with with the one foot that he's got, he's doing a good job. Like I say, he's understanding the assignment. So on the whole, I'm I'm pretty happy with him. And like you touched on Casemiro as well. Um, you know, a lot of people will troll me and say that he's, you know, joined United for the for the wage. And fair enough if he has, but I like watching him play. So, and I've been impressed so far. I don't so, think yeah. he did, did he? I think he, he joined out of romance. He actually really wanted to play at Old Trafford. He wanted to play for Manchester United, which is why he moved. And actually could have stayed at Real Madrid, but I think he he wanted to come to Old Trafford because he played there in a youth tournament about 20 years yeah. ago or something like that. And he, he loved the place and he was very sort of taken by it. And it had always been his dream to do so. So good luck to him. I, 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 mean, I like that. he's not been to Old Trafford in a while. I mean, it is falling to pieces. Yeah, yeah. obviously I mean, he hadn't visited he got there, for a while. He thought, yeah. this is not what I remember. Yeah, this is not what I remember. <laughs> it used to be yeah. this grand old stadium. And now he's thinking, oh dear, no one's, <laughs> yeah. no one's, no one's touched it up in about 40 years. Okay, let's... Um, move on to our final game. Last but not least, Arsenal against Nottingham Forest. This is Sunday. Arsenal have just fallen off the wagon a bit. Uh, tired by weeks, I think, of not rotating in Nottingham Forest. Uh, shall I say it again for effect? Shall I? Yeah. Won't be relegated. Uh, they're on the up, uh, finding the balance. Can they trouble Arsenal, Crook? I think they can. Um, I think what we saw at Southampton last weekend was quite a tired Arsenal team, as you've said, in that second half. They were lacking a bit of spark. I thought all four of their front players that have started the season so well, Saka, Martinelli, Erdegaard and Jesus, were all floundering a little bit. I think when your backup option to Jesus is Eddie Nketiah, I think that's a problem if you're talking about any kind of sustained title challenge. And Forrest have tightened up defensively. So I think this is potentially a very awkward afternoon for Arsenal. Forrest will set out to frustrate them, probably won't be that ambitious away from home, not as ambitious as they were against Liverpool, but I think they are capable, this Forest team, of stifling Arsenal, particularly um, if they're still looking a bit jaded, those front players. Um, in terms of Nottingham Forest, one of the things I thought was really impressive last week is they sat solid. They were in a good shape. They've obviously moved to a back four now. They didn't do that very often last season, didn't do that at the beginning of the season. They went to it against Leicester. It didn't work, but then they've stuck with it and they've, they've learned how to play the system and the system has started to bear fruit. Four at the back three in front of them in midfield. The two wingers, Lingard last week and um, um, Morgan Gibbs-White would come back and protect the fullbacks as well, which gave them a platform on which to build. And they did build. So they win the ball off Liverpool, deep inside their own half. They sat off them a little bit. Then they'd get the first pass out. Once they'd done that, 
they'd start to play. They'd start to move the ball around and move up the pitch. And actually, Liverpool found it difficult to contend with them. They created a number of chances which they could have scored. And actually, I think they'll get chances against Arsenal because they'll do a similar thing. I do think Arsenal, when they're at their best, are brilliant at dominating the ball in opposition territory. I was at Brentford a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, and they were so good at just smothering the opposition by just keeping the ball in the opponent's half. And if they do that to Nottingham Forest, it's going to be very, very difficult. But that freshness, that energy, that 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 zip that they had in the early part of the season just, just tailed off a little bit. They need to refine that again. They need to go again, get their second win because they've got a great chance of finishing in the top four. You know, I don't think they'll win the title, but they've got a chance of, of being in the top two or three uh, come the end of the season. That'll be a major achievement for, for Mikel Arteta. But I also do believe this, and Angelina, you may not have heard me say it before, so I will, you know, I, I do think Nottingham Forest, they'll be struggling, they'll be down there, they'll be scrapping, but I think they'll stay up. You know because what? Because he's mates with Steve Cooper. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but... <laughs> um, you know what? I'm also... I'm on that positivity train with you um, just because I think... The, the story of last season, you know, the fact that Forrest are back in the Premier League, you know, I, I love the idea of it. And I, you know what, I maybe I'm a bit delusional. Maybe I don't know. I didn't like sleep that well last night, but I'm, I'm kind of with you on this in that I think that it's not going to be easy. 100%, you know, we've got to be realistic. They will be scrapping at the bottom, like you say. Yeah. But I just have a feeling that, you know, this is, you know, a very special manager, you know, some special, you know, players in this team. They've brought in a lot of players as well. You know, as the season goes on, you would like to think that, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of them struggling to find the feet and all these players and how it all slots in. And that's got to, you know, iron itself out eventually. And maybe towards the the latter half of the season, we see them, yeah, still struggling, but, you know, grinding out a few difficult, you know, results that will maybe, you know, the odd point here or there will actually make the difference. I think there's a lot of teams also that are struggling. So I think regarding the the relegation zone, there's quite a few teams that could actually end up in it. So yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to be positive. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. She's on the positivity <laughs> train with me. Crook, you can get back in third class in the negative carriage back there. We don't want you. You're not sharing our goodies. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today, Angelina. Um, we can find you on the TalkSport Edge. Is this correct? Yes, that is correct. Over on the TalkSport Edge app. Okay, and uh, Crookie, we'll see you over the weekend. You're doing Bournemouth, aren't you, uh, against uh, Tottenham Hotspur on Saturday? What are you doing Sunday? I'm doing that uh, Arsenal Forest game. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Big double header. I'll be at Leicester against Manchester City on Saturday for Talk Sport. I'll be at Manchester United against West Ham on Sunday when the Sunday session comes live from Old Trafford. Looking forward uh, to that. Um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Keep telling your friends all about us and uh, keep downloading. And remember, on Monday afternoon, the review podcast will be available on YouTube. Thank you very much to Angelina Kelly and to Alex Crook. Uh, this is the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.